Hey, let me just ask for a show of hands. Let's be honest. We're at church. How many of you have somebody in your life you don't get along with? Come on, just raise your hand. Right? All right, rest of you are lying. But anyway, uh, if you don't, I'll be glad to lend you one of mine. But I, prob- I probably don't need to do that because if we're honest, we all have somebody in our life we can't get along. For some of you, it may be your spouse. For some of you, it may be your coworker or a neighbor. It may be your relative. It may be your boss. It may be the person sitting next to you right now, right? If I were to ask you why you didn't get along with them, you would begin immediately pointing to circumstances. You would say, I don't get along with my wife because she doesn't listen to me. I don't get along with my husband because he doesn't keep his promise. I don't get along with my boss because he didn't give me the promotion that I deserve. I don't get along with my neighbor because trash pickup is on Tuesday and the cans are still out on Friday. You know, we'd go through all of these excuses and we would point to circumstances that we would see this is the source of my problem. This is the reason for the conflict I have with this person. But in the verses that we're going to be looking at this weekend, this is what James basically says to Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, you, you just relax. This is not for you. You know, you don't even have to do this stuff. That's really cool. But this is what James says to Christians. This is the expectation he holds us to. He says, you know what, guys? It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to get past all of the finger pointing to what the issue really is. It's time for us to face up to what we know in our hearts is true. It's time for us to take a serious look at the source or the cause of the fighting and the quarreling and the conflicts that are among us. But before we look at James, let me just say this. Let me make you this promise. If you've got the guts and if you've got the courage to open your heart and mind over the next 30 minutes to what James is going to say to us in these verses, I'm telling you, we're looking at something This has the potential to bring you to a point in your relationships where you no longer will blame other people for your unhappiness or your lack of contentment or your issues. That's how powerful these verses are. So if you have a Bible this weekend, James chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 1. If you don't have one, you can follow on the side screens. James begins by talking about quarrels and conflicts. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he gives us an answer kind of formed as a question, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, leave that verse up there just for for a second. I want you to notice two phrases. He says, among you, and he uses the phrase within you. Now, in case you have to leave early, here's the point that James is going to make in these verses. He says, understand, Christians, the reason that we have conflict among us is because we have conflict within us. And it's a conflict that we can't contain. It's a battle that we're losing. And this battle is raging on the inside of us to such an extent that it spills out of our lives and it spills onto the people around us. And more often than not, it's the people that we're the closest to. Let me just pause here and let me just say this. Let me tell you why this is going to be such a hard truth for us to accept this weekend. It's because if you hurt me and I'm mad at you, I want everybody I know to be mad at you too, right? Isn't that the way we are? But the moment that I start taking responsibility for my role in the conflict, for my bad attitude, for my bad behavior, see, I lose my leverage because suddenly I'm partly to blame and I don't want to be partly to blame. I want you to be totally to blame so I can be the victim. But the moment that I admit it's partly my fault, I don't get to tell my super sad story anymore. And I can't make you hate that person as much as I hate that person. And so I don't get to be the victim anymore. And James is writing to Christians. He's like, really? Seriously? 
He says, guys, you've got to get beyond that. You've got to get to the point where you begin to see and admit that your external conflict, what's going out on out here, is caused by an internal conflict that's raging out of control. And you can't contain it. You can't contain it. That's what the problem really is. And James says, if we could just acknowledge this one simple truth that we're going to look at over the next few minutes, it has the power to revolutionize every relationship in our life. Look at how James begins, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now look, look what he says. You want something, but you don't get it. It's interesting. James says the real issue in your conflict is you're not getting what you want. Somewhere you're not getting your way. Somewhere some expectation is not being met. And because of that, you're disappointed, you're depressed, you're mad, you're angry. James says that's really the problem, maybe it's something that you thought you deserved. Maybe it was something that you thought was owed you, right? And, and it's not a principle. See, as Christians, we learn to say it's the principle of the thing. James says this has nothing to do with principle. The bottom line is you're not getting what you want. You're not getting your way. Your expectation isn't being met, and you're mad. By the way, this sounds like a, a blanket statement, and it is. It is. But every angry person, every depressed person I've ever talked to, when you get right down to it and when you can peel back all of the layers, there's something that they want and they can't have it. There's some expectation in their life that isn't being met. For example, he said he'd love you forever, but he's gone. And now you can't have what you want. But you don't want to go there because it's so much easier just to blame him and blame the circumstances. And everybody sides with you and they hug you and they tell you they feel so sorry for you and you get to be the victim. The problem isn't really that she got the raise and you didn't. The problem isn't that he got the promotion and you didn't. The problem isn't that she broke her promise. James says, Christians, hey, let's grow up. There's something you want. You can't get it. It didn't go the way you wanted. And that's the source of the conflict, and James says this, if you are ever going to move forward in your relationships, you've got to come to this conclusion. The reason I'm angry, whether I'm the victim or not, you may be a victim, but James says the reason I'm angry, whether I'm a victim or not, is because there's something I want and I can't get my way. I can't get what I want. I can't get my expectation met. James says as Christians, that's the point we have to get to. Now this is interesting, if you're a parent of small children, it's easy to see this in the kids, right? Now, I don't have small children. My boys are 33 and 30 now, but I have grandkids. I actually have three. And uh, Embry is about 12 weeks now, you know. We don't get to keep her yet. Mom and Dad don't trust us with her yet. And uh, I can see why. <laughs> Me especially. But Olivia is six, and uh, Brennan, he'll be five in, in a couple of weeks. And they, we try to have them over. We used to have them over every week, but now with them going to school and with me working all weekend, it's harder to have them over every week. But we try to have them over to spend the night. And I can guarantee you when they come over to spend the night, and these, these kids are, are typically angels, but I can tell you there is going to be quarrels and conflict. You know what it's going to be over? Grandma's iPad. There's going to be quarrels and conflict. Hey, he had it last night. He had, when do I get to play my game? Why does she get it so much? When am I going to get my turn? But you know what's interesting? The issue isn't really the iPad. The issue is kids are selfish, right? And they want their way. But never in all the nights that Brennan and Olivia have spent, never all the arguments they've had with the iPad, 
Never has one of them walked up to me during the argument and said, Papa, I know what the real problem is. I just want my way, and I can't have it. That has never happened. And in the same way, see, our Heavenly Father, he looks at us and says, come on, come on, be real. Let's just face it, you're mad because you wanted something and you didn't get it. And if you're ever going to move past this, you've got to own your part of the responsibility. And when you begin to own your part of the responsibility, all of a sudden you're going to begin to diffuse the anger. But you've got to acknowledge that the root of the issue is, I'm just not getting my way. And then James goes on to describe what we do when we're not getting our way, verse 2. He says this, you want something, but you don't get it. So you kill and covet. But you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. And basically what James is saying here, he says, the bottom line is you will do whatever you feel like you need to do to try and get what you want. And when you think about it, that, that's true. Think about what you've done to your spouse. Think about what you've done to a friend or a coworker or maybe your boss in order to get your way. Think of the people that you've run over, the people that you've hurt, and in some cases, maybe even destroyed because you wanted to get your way. James says, man, you will kill, you will covet, you will do whatever it takes. By the way, there's two words in the New Testament translated covet. Uh, one is a very common word. It's used a lot. The other word is only used a couple of times. James uses the word that's only used a couple of times. And it doesn't mean covet, uh, the one that's used so many times, because it's not this idea of I'm coveting, but it's a secret and nobody really knows about it. Like I really covet your house, but I would never tell you. I covet your wife, but I'd never tell you. I really would like your car, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to keep it inside. This is the word covet that means you hotly pursue something. So James says, man, you want something and you hotly pursue it. You run over everything in your path. You will walk over your grandmother if it means you can get what you want. But James says, at the end of the day, you still don't get what you want. So you're mad. Or you pout. Or you're passive aggressive. And I am never going to talk to that person again. I am going to find a new job. I didn't get the promotion, but I guarantee you this. I'm going to make sure the person who did get the promotion fails, right? James says, grow up. Grow up. There is no principle at stake. You're angry because you can't have what you want. You're angry because you, you, and you don't want to admit it because it's going to make you look like a child. So you say, I'm just going to focus on the circumstance. That way I can be the victim. Now, this is what's interesting. This is like the introduction. This is just the symptom. It's not the real problem. The real problem is, and this may be a little deeper than you want to go this weekend, let me try to point it out. Let me try to explain it to you. The problem is in our relationships, the people that we have conflict and quarrels with, as human beings, it's natural. We try to squeeze our happiness. We try to squeeze our contentment out of the people around us, out of the people that we're somehow in a relationship with. We do this when we get married, you know. Joe Aldridge has written a book called The Secrets to Inner Beauty, and in it he writes this. A very clever Volkswagen ad shows an impeccable little car with a flat tire. Below it, the caption reads, nobody's perfect. And then he, when he, write, he writes this. When two imperfect people fall in love, strange things happen. Logic and rationality go out the window. Blindness sets in as they float away on their cloud built for two. Marriage, however, has a way of ending this glowing period of scintillating perfection. Where two or more are gathered together, someone is going to have a flat tire. 
It doesn't take long for the newlyweds to discover that everything in one person, nobody's got. They soon learn that a marriage license is just a learner's permit, and they ask with agony, is there life after marriage? Do you know why that happens? You know? It's because we get married and we think that all of our happiness, all of our fulfillment is going to be found in this new spouse. And that's why we say stupid things like, he completes me. I never thought I'd met, she completes me. He makes me whole. You know, we say stupid things like that, right? And so we do everything we can to try to squeeze all of our happiness out of our contentment, all of our contentment out of our spouse. At the same time, they're trying to squeeze all of their contentment, all of their happiness out of us. And what happens is we end up basically strangling, strangling each other, right? And that's why spouses end up hating each other. I mean, it's amazing to me. I have married young couples that are just, oh, I mean, you, they just can't imagine they're even going to have an argument or any conflict. And a year or two later, they absolutely cannot stand. They hate each other. It's because they get this, you know, kind of codependency thing going on, and they're squeezing the life out of each other. And that's why we think things like, hey, listen, the reason I'm not happy is you. You're the problem. And if you would just do these five things the way I want them done, I would be happy. And so we go through life. You know, I'm unhappy because of my spouse. I'm unhappy because of my boss. I'm unhappy because of my friends. I'm unhappy because of my parents. I'm unhappy because of my kids. In fact, all of my unhappiness, all of my discontentment in life is because of other people. And we do that because our tendency is to see other people, embrace other people, try to squeeze our happiness and contentment out of them. Guess what, people? It ain't there. And so we look at them one day and ask, what is wrong with you, right? And at the end of the day, when we've done all the squeezing we can, we still don't have what we want. And so we're mad or we're angry or we're disappointed or we're depressed, which is just anger that's kept inside. By the way, I'm not a fortune teller, but I guarantee you one thing in your life, there's somebody in your life right now who's feeling squeezed by you. There's somebody in your life right now that you've made to feel responsible for your unhappiness or your discontentment. And maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is a partner. Maybe, maybe it's a boss or a roommate. And you're mad at them. Do you know why you're mad at them? Because they can't live up to what you thought they would be for you. By the way, I, I do this all the time with Laura. I'm not a real angry person. I don't get mad a lot. I don't shout I'm a powder. I'm a powder. By the way, the Olympics are on. Let me say this. Ice dancing is not a sport. <laughs> I don't care how much they twizzle. <laughs> I got home after speaking and being gone all day yesterday, and the Olympics were on. Ice dancing, twizzling, they're twizzling. I told Laura, will you please turn it to HGTV? See, that's a phrase I never thought would come out of my mouth. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But anyway, and neither is cheerleading. But hey, at least that's not in the Olympics yet. But anyway, um, I'm a powder. And if pouting was an Olympic sport, you're looking at a gold medalist. I mean, this is something I can take to a whole nother level. Laura doesn't meet an expectation. How was your day? Fine. What do you want to do for dinner? I don't care. You want to go to a movie? I don't know. You know? So 
James says to all of us, and I'm, I'm telling you that, including me, okay? Do you want to grow up and quit acting like children? Do you want to acknowledge a, a, a principle, a truth that has the potential to absolutely radically change your relationships? James says, would you have the guts? Would you have the courage to say, my problem with you is not all you. My problem with you is a battle that's raging within me because I can't get my way. I can't get what I want. You're not meeting my expectations. And I've just been blaming you. I'm going to tell you something. That one conversation can transform a marriage. That one conversation can transform a business partnership. That one conversation can transform a parent-child relationship. It can transform any relationships. And then James gives us a solution, but I'm going to tell you it's going to, it's going to require a shift, a whole new way of thinking. In fact, he basically says we're going to have to start acting on something that we say we believe. We're going to have to apply our faith in an area. This is what he says in verse 2. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Now look at this. You do not have because you do not ask God. It's like James is, is saying this. Have you ever thought about asking God for the stuff you want? The stuff you need instead of trying to squeeze it out of everybody around you? H have you ever considered saying, God, I am so unhappy and I have been blaming everybody else for my unhappiness. God, would you make me happy? God, I am not content. And I've been blaming everybody around me, everybody in my life for my lack of contentment. God, would, would you make me content? But you see, I'm just like you. That's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is to use my relational skills to, to manipulate and get what I want from the people around me. And, and you do the same thing. But James said, whoa, 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 different way of thinking, new game plan, new rules. He says, the reason you don't have some of the stuff you want, the reason you don't have some of the stuff you need is basically because you've never thought about asking God for it. You, you see yourself, you see your skills as the source. You're not the source. God is the source. Tur turn back a page. Let me show you something over in chapter 1, verse 17 of James. It's a verse we skipped because I knew I was going to come back to it this weekend. James chapter 1, verse 17. This is what James says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Now look at that. Let me ask you a question. Which good and perfect gift comes from God? Okay. You guys obviously were all in the athletic department at Carolina, and you can't read. So let's do this one more time. <laughs> it's in the news, people. I don't make this stuff up, okay? It's in the news. But look at that one more time. Let me ask you the question. Which good and perfect gift comes from God? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So James says this. If that's the case, why don't you stop trying to squeeze your happiness and contentment out of everyone around you? Why don't you acknowledge that God is the source of everything you want, everything you need? And the reason you don't have everything you want and everything you need is because you have failed to invite God into the equation. You've forgotten who the source ultimately is. 
is. So James says, listen, next time your spouse or your boss or your friend or your parents, next time they let you down, instead of letting them have it. Do you ever walk in, I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to let them know they're not meeting my expectations. Instead of lighting them up, I love it when people say that. Instead of being angry or passive aggressive or pouting, James says, why don't you go to God and say, God, I am not happy. God, I am not content. God, my spouse is not doing what I need. God, my friend is not meeting my expectations. God, I deserve that raise. I deserve that promotion. God, my parents don't have a clue. Whatever it is, God... I'm coming to you because they're not the source, God. You're the source. And I wish James would just stop right there. If you want it, just go to God and he will give it to you. But he goes on and says in verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. By the way, the word translated pleasures here in the Greek is the very same one that's translated desire, the very same word desires that battle within you back in verse 1. So James says basically this, when you go to God and say, God, I need a better spouse, you know, God, I need to make more money, God, I need a better job, God, I need better kids, whatever it is, James says, sometimes, sometimes, because he's a good father, he's going to say yes. But sometimes, although he's still a good father, he's going to say no. And James says you need to understand that the reason he sometimes says no it's because he knows and understands what is best for you. Now, what does that mean? What's the implication of that statement? That means that as Christians, again, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to worry about this. But as Christians, it means we have to learn to take no for an answer. Now, let me tell you why this approach to life is so much better than trying to squeeze your happiness and your contentment out of the people around you. Either way, you're not going to get everything you want. You're not going to get everything you want from God. You're not going to get everything you want from the people around you. But let me tell you what you do get when you look to God as your source. You do it God's way. First of all, you get the peace that comes from knowing that you're living under the authority of your heavenly father. And any time you're living under the authority of your heavenly father, you have positioned yourself to be blessable. If you're living under God's authority when it comes to your finances, you've positioned yourself to be blessed by God in the area of your finances. If you're living God's principles and under his authority when it comes to your marriage, God is in a position to bless your marriage. So when you're living and in any area of life, when you're living under God's authority, you're in a position to be blessed. There's a peace that comes with that. And then second, you get the peace that comes from knowing that every good and perfect gift you need and every good and perfect gift you can handle will be yours. The key is you can handle and as an added bonus, God will protect you from the things that you have a tendency to selfishly pursue that have the tendency to destroy you. I mean, let's be honest, we're all adults. There are some things in your life right now that you're dealing in the backwash of. You manipulated you your way into. And as you sit here this weekend, you regret it. Maybe it was a marriage, you know? And, and, and it fell apart, and you look back now and admit, you know what? I manipulated myself. I, I knew that's not what God wanted, but I manipulated myself into that situation, and, 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 and now I wish I never had. And it's because, hey, we're pretty gifted people. We all have the potential to get things for ourselves that we have no business having. And then later on, we think, how in the world did I get into this mess? How in the world did I get into this situation? How in the world did I get into this relationship? Well, it was easy. <laughs> We decided that we were in charge of our lives 
and that we were going to get what we wanted because we thought we knew what was best. But at the end of the day, we still weren't happy. At the end of the day, we, we still were empty. So God says, why in the world would you want, as a child of mine, God says, why would you want to live the rest of your life like that? There's a much better way to live. And it's by saying, God, I, I acknowledge you are the source of every good thing I want, every good thing I need, every good thing I can handle. But God, it also means I'm going to have to learn to take no for an answer. Because you know what's best for me. You know, when the grandkids come over, um, the best time is when they get up in the morning. Grandparents know this. They got their PJs on, their blanket, their teddy bear, they're cuddly. And when Brennan and Olivia come down, they're always going to ask me this question. I can count on it. Papa? Yeah? Can I have a popsicle? <laughs> no. Next time they're over, Papa? Can I have a popsicle? Mm-mm. Next week, Papa, can I have a popsicle? Mm-mm. And then one day they say, Papa, can I have a popsicle? And I say, yeah. Yeah. You know why? Other than the fact that Grandma's still in bed? Uh, <laughs> there's a part of me that just absolutely loves to give good things to my grandchildren when they ask. I love to say Yes. But I also understand that at times, I also have to say no for the very same reason that I have to say yes, and it's because of what's in their best interest. James says, in the very same way, you have a heavenly father who loves to give you good things. But you got to understand that's based on the fact that you view him as the source of those things, and you go to him for those things. And sometimes he's going to say yes. And sometimes he's going to say no. But you got to understand, when he says no, he has a reason. He has a reason. And we have to learn to accept no as an answer. And then we have to accept the fact that his grace is sufficient for the things he has to say no to. There's something in my life I've been praying for every day for 15 years. And it's no. The answer is no, 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 no. But this is what I'm learning, and it's taken me a while because I haven't always felt this. What I'm learning is even when God says no, and because he says no, it continues to cause pain, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I mean, isn't that a better way to live? And can you see the... Why, by living this way, uh, you can find peace in the midst of all kinds of relational difficulties. I mean, what if we just learned to see our spouses and our bosses and our employees and our parents and our kids? What if we just saw them as not the source of good things, but just a tool, right, that God is going to use from time to time to give us good and wonderful things? They're not the source. They're just a tool. And every once in a while, God's going to send us something good through them. And if we could just look through that lens and we would evaluate every relationship we're in through that lens, I'm telling you, we would find incredible peace. And at the end of the day, here's what happens. You're able to stop blaming other people for your unhappiness or your lack of contentment or your issues. I tell you, find me a man or a woman in a troubled marriage who's willing to pray, God, I'm no longer 
going to view my spouse as the source of anything. You're the source, and I will show you a man or a woman in a marriage who can overcome any obstacle. That's the power of this principle. A few years ago, one of our directors hired a young man to come in for a pretty weighty position here on staff, and it was chaos. It just did not work out. And because of that and a couple of other things, uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to do was let that director go down the road. And after I let the director go, I called in this young man that he had hired, and I said, you, you are not the right man for this job. You are not the right man for this position. And he said, I knew that the first week I was here. And I said, well, listen, because of that, I feel like we haven't done you the right way. We set you up to fail. We didn't even give you a chance to succeed here. And as I said, I like you. And, and you relocated your family and your kids here, and your wife. So we're going to find something to do on staff. We're going to let you bounce around, but we're going to find a niche for you because I believe that God wants you here. And he sat across my desk, and he looked at me, and, and, and this is what he said to me. He, said, he smiled. He says, he says, Mike, seriously, you do what you need to do because God will take care of my family. No anger. He wasn't mad. He didn't, he didn't start running off reasons that he could have succeeded if it hadn't have been for this or hadn't been for that. He just said, you do what you need to do. God's going to take care of me. You know why he understood this principle? That God is the source of every good thing. By the way, you know what's interesting? Today he's in the role that we originally hired him for. And he is absolutely flourishing because he waited. Let me ask you a question. Who in your life feels like they're to blame for your unhappiness or your lack of contentment? Who have you made to feel like if you would just get your act together, if you would just change, if you would just do what I want you to do, I would be happy. Now, here's the big one. <laughs> Would you have the guts and the obedience to go to that person and say, I am so sorry for the way I treated you. I now realize that my real problem isn't you. I now realize that my real problem is I'm not, just not getting my way. My expectations haven't been met, and I've been mad at you, and I've been taking it out on you because of that, and I am sorry. Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. <laughs> they already know that's your problem. Okay? They know that. <laughs> Trust me, they're not going to go, really? You mean I'm not the sole source for all your issues in life? Really? Shot. Never saw that coming. See, they're not going to respond that way. They already know you've been acting like a kid because you didn't get your way. They know that. This is about you admitting the conflict's really in me, and I am Sorry. And I'll tell you, whatever relationship you're in, that's when the relationship will be able to move forward. So James says to us Christians, come on, guys, be honest, get real. The source of your external conflict is an internal conflict that you can't contain. And James says, if you'll just take the step of owning your responsibility, if you'll begin to place yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, if you'll begin to see him as the source, 
of your happiness and your contentment and everybody around you, he just uses as a tool from time to time. James says it has the potential to change all of your relationships. And even if you are a victim, which you may very well be, and even if the other person really is to blame, which may be the case, this has the potential to set you free from spending the rest of your life mad, angry, and depressed. James said, hey, this is a part of your faith. You say this all the time. Oh, everything I need comes from God. He's my, you know, we sing about it. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. You're the cornerstone. Without you, I would collapse. James says, hey, when you stop singing about it and saying you believe it and actually begin to live this way, revolutionize your life. Let's pray. I don't, know what your, I don't know what your story is. I know there's some sad ones around here. I know that. But at some point, James says, Christians, grow up. Grow up. You say you believe that God is the source of every good thing. But you don't live like it. You keep depending on your happiness, contentment, well-being coming from other people. And you keep blaming them for not meeting your expectations. When are you going to realize that God really is, really is the source of every good and perfect gift that you need and that you can handle? A couple of things. What does God continue to say no to in your life that you just have to release to him? And have the attitude, God, I don't know why. I don't think it's selfish. I don't think it's for my own good pleasure. But for some reason, you say no. So I'm, I'm going to have to just accept that. Or who in your life feels responsible for your unhappiness? You know the guilt they carry for that? I don't care what they did to you. I don't care if you really are the victim. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights where there's no shifting or shadow. He's immutable. He never changes. He's not moody one day, up one day, manic one day, depressed the next day. Incredibly consistent and loving. Guys, somehow take this truth and principle and drill it into our minds and hearts and help us to release this, I would be happy if... I would be fulfilled if. I would be content if. And help us to look to you for the source of every good thing we need. In your name we pray.